It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Good evening. Ow, oh, right in the eyeball. Cheryl just poked me in the eye. Thanks very much. This is Paranormal Gun Radio in the dark with your hosts, Ken Frazier and me, Chucky G. That was not very nice, poking me in the eyeball like that one. I'm trying to do it. had it coming. Whoa, Nelly. <laughs> hello, everyone. I hope there's some listeners out there. Hello, hello, hello. Are you Chuck, out Rob, Rob's in the chat room. Chuck is ah. in. Chuck is in rare form tonight. I don't know. I... Oh, hello, Rob. How are you? Hello, hello. Well, you know, there's nobody out there, so I can just do whatever I want because they're not there listening. There are people out there. Uh, don't say Rob. nobody. Rob's listening. Is there anyone out there? And <laughs> what? Rob is listening, and we're going hey. to have uh, listeners on podcast. I... Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I apologize. I rein myself in. Rein it in. There you go. I'm done. And so tonight, what exactly, what? what exactly is in your drink this evening? <laughs> it's just water. It's just water. It's all mm-hmm. it is. It's just water. Mm-hmm. All right. So, anyways, our guest tonight. You notice I'm making Brandon. my judgmental face at you, right? I am just ignoring you because I have to do the the guest thing. Brandon Callahan, author of the Agony That Remains: A Paranormal Investigation in America's Heartland. It just sounds Sweet. cool. To say that every time I say that, it sounds cool. I'm excited because we're going to talk about ley lines and all sorts of interesting and, and, and developed a method of tracking potential hotspot locations throughout the world. I, I believe it has to do with ley lines, but I'm not sure. I will not be quoted on this because I am not Brandon. So we will ask him, but I want to know. I'm probably going to quote you on that later. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm. So how is Karen this evening? What is new in the life of Miss Frazier? Mrs. Uh, you know, the kid's home for a week. So I know. So I'm up in my studio space, which is his former bedroom, but he's been staying up here. And so there are piles of junk out everywhere. So like my good vibe is like, he's harsh and my mellow man, but it is good to see him. And I gave, I gave Sophie a haircut, my dog. I saw something about that on, uh, uh, yeah, that didn't go well. It was an accident. (laughs) <laughs> so it's like the dog around with the one big just shaved piece on it or did you kind of Well, so no, I was um you know, I she had like a couple of clumps of fur and so I took the clippers and I was just gonna try and get the clumps of fur and then it just kinda got out of hand. <laughs> and all the clumps started disappearing, is what you're saying? All, <laughs> all of the fur started <laughs> All the fur. It's a bald dog running around. No, oh. no, no. She has patches of hair. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. it kind of looks like a poodle when they do the shave thing where it's like a patch and then bald and then a patch. Yeah, and... not super attractive. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Live and learn. I suppose. Cheryl, is there anything new with you there, Miss Knight Wilson? No, Miss Knight Rider? I'm just boring. <laughs> You're just boring? <laughs> Why do you say that? You're not boring. Come on. Well, we're going to go see the new... Um... Oh, God, I've already forgotten the title. Oh, you know that? Suicide Squad. Squad. Thank you, Chad. Yeah. Um, I've heard mixed things about it. Yeah. yeah, The reviews are horrible, and now Chad's really disappointed and doesn't want to see it. Oh, Oh, maybe you'll love it. 
Maybe. Yeah, I, the reviews on Batman and Superman, they were terrible. I watched it. I absolutely loved that movie. You a, did? You loved it? Movie. I loved it. Okay, we just watched it like a few days ago. And like, I'll tell you what, it was um, very confusing to me. Really? And I didn't even, I mean, at any given moment, it was all over. I didn't care for it. Oh, it was all I, over the place. I, we're going to go see the it. new Star Trek movie. What? Yeah, we're going to go see the it's new Star excellent. Trek we That's saw cool. the new Star Trek movie. It's excellent. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend yeah, it. Yeah, I love what he's been doing with the franchise. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, it's been really good since, is it J.J. Abrams, right? Yes, it mm-hmm. is. Yes, yeah, it is. and I like him anyway. I think that the stuff he does is really high quality. I loved Lost mm-hmm. all those years good ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I liked uh, the monster one. Um, Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. Cloverfield, I liked. Yes, I saw it. Believe it or not, I liked Cloverfield. <laughs> oh. And and I've liked the Star Trek things. I think that he he's, I I like him a lot. Uh-huh. Really? You, you wait a minute now. But let's back up. You didn't you didn't understand the Superman Batman thing? How did you yeah, not? Yeah, they they were Simple. one second. They were in a dream sequence. Oh yeah, because they're flashbacks. Oh, I'm like, how does I, this relate to that? How did I, they know this? And. I, I was so confused from yeah, one minute I'm to the next. Because I'm a comic book nerd, I just understood it all. You did, and Chad actually had to explain. Well, well that's so yeah. I can't get so he spoilers. understood it. Yeah, he, he explained to me a couple things <laughs> yeah. where I'm like, "What is going on here? I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone. I don't know yeah, what's going cool. on." And he had to explain it Man, to me. The fighting scenes. Whew, there were some good ones in there. There was some good action in there. I'll yeah. give you that. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know what movie I'm gonna see next. I don't know. I, I still want to see Suicide Squad just because. Mm-hmm. Just I have to see if you, you can't take other people's oh opinions because you never know. Chad just like said, said, "I'm what? sorry to interrupt." Uh, Chad said, "Star Trek was directed by Justin Lin, but what did um?" What oh, did, uh, wasn't Abraham? Um, did the first two. Yeah, oh, I was did, say. Oh, okay. this next one, this this last one isn't a J.J. Abrams. Oh, oh, he he may have been involved somehow, but he was not the director this time. Oh, gotcha. it was Justin Lin this time. Well, I'll prepare to hate it then. <laughs> no, it was excellent. <laughs> you will not hate it. I can tell you that. Good. Yeah. I think people just put way too much pressure on the poor movies. It's just a movie. It's just entertainment. Just go in there and just who cares? Have because fun. it costs so stinking much to go to one. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Well, unless you're single like me and yes. it's only 17 bucks to get everything you want and a theater with nobody in it is awesome. 17 bucks to go watch a movie is a lot well, when I can well, wait until it comes, on my, and... when it comes on my Comcast and I can watch well, it at home for that. like less than $5 and I can yeah. eat something in my kitchen if I feel like eating. But I get popcorn, I got candy, I got soda, and I got a movie, so I was happy. <laughs> I guess it's all in what you make. It's yourself. all in what you value. You know what? If you find value in spending your money on that, good for you. Yeah. I don't necessarily find value in spending my money on movies. Yes, ma'am. I understand. Because, uh, I mean, and also, I know a lot of people like to go to movies because they like to eat, right? Yeah. And um, I can't eat anything. <laughs> yeah. I can't eat oh, anything. Oh, that's true. You can't. Yeah, that kind of takes away from it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. I mean to bring it up. you know, I am allergic to movie theater food, so. Yes. I got you. Yeah. <sighs> so, oh, you know. Really just... Downer. Sorry. <laughs> All right, well, I guess we'll just move right on to, you know, what time of that is here. Let's just roll right into that, shall we? Just when you thought the world couldn't get any weirder, it's time for our news of the strange <laughs> All righty. So here we go. We have a couple weird ones. We have this one here, which I found kind of interesting. Try to stay with the story because I had to try to stay with the story. So it's called Death Spiral Four Phases of Life May Signal the End is Near. 
Okay, so it says, biologists separate, separate life into three phases, development, aging, and late life. But a growing body of research now suggests there is a fourth phase immediately preceding death that scientists have dubbed the death spiral. Although most of the, de most of the death spiral research has focused you know, on fruit flies, scientists think these studies can offer valuable insight into the last stages of human life as well. We believe there is a part of the process of basically genetically programmed death. Um, they say, over the past decade, several studies of fruit flies have suggested that the spiral towards death can be seen in the drop in reproductive rate. According, they call it uh, frucidity. According to a review of this research by um, Mueller and his colleagues, which is, of course, uh, Lawrence Mueller, chairman of the Department of Ecological and Evol Evolutionary Biology. There you go. I can't say it tonight. Uh, for instance... Researchers reported in 2015, they found that the first day a female fly laid zero eggs was a significant prediction of death. Indicators of fucinity started to decline about 10 days before young female fruit flies laid zero eggs. The researchers think that whatever leads to the fly's death also affects their ability to reproduce in their final days. In the new review, Mueller said that the timing of this decline matches other previous estimates of death spirals duration. Relative to the average lifespan of a fruit fly, 10 days could be as much as a third of a fly's life. Research from 2002 in Mediterranean fruit flies, called medflies, found that 97% of males began lying upside down about 16 days prior to death. In relative terms, the potential indicator of the death spiral is also approximately equal to the time of the frucidity decline in the fruit flies. In another study, scientists observed fruit flies and zebrafish to see if their intestines exhibited increased leakiness before death. The researchers tested this leakiness called permittability by uh, feeding fruit, food dye to each animal. If, uh, if, if it increased, the dye would leak out into the animal's body. It would change colors. Um, so this is what the scientists do. Now they're saying, so how does that relate to humans? Okay. Uh, in the review paper... Uh, Mueller and his colleagues cited a study from 2008 published in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences evidence that people may experience the death spiral as well. In that study, researchers analyzed collective data on physical and cognitive abilities of 2,262 Danish people between ages of 92 and 100. Uh, they found that the physical and cognitive scores of the individuals who died within the first two years of study were significantly lower than the score of those who were still alive in 2005. The assessments include measuring of grip strength, ability to complete daily activities such as going to the bathroom and eating, and exams that help evaluate cognitive impairments. Basically, Mueller says a death spiral in people could be the reason we often see a distinct increase in disability just before someone dies. Humans are challenging study subjects for both ethical and biological reasons, but looking at the death spiral and other organisms could give scientists a window into how this works. According to Mueller, the next step in research may be to selectively breed the flies, which, by the way, the flies have a lot of the same... Um, genetics as humans, which I never knew. Um, once you create populations that are genetically different in that way, you can ask what genes were changed in order to re reproduce the length of the spiral death. So they're trying to lengthen out um, not necessarily how you die, but knowing that uh, they're not trying to delay death, but they're trying to see if there's a way to improve people's quality of life until they reach the end of death. In other words, um, be healthy and cognizant all the way until up until the actual time that you die. Now what? Now that's the story. But my question is, what do you guys think about? Like, would you want to? 
you know, I mean, I, I, I think that part of the, uh, the piece of, you know, well, you start to lose your cognitive, uh, uh, you know, memories and stuff like that. I think in a way that kind of helps to, to, to make the death process simpler. Does that make sense? Versus being totally, you know, aware and healthy all the way up until the, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I know people die, you know, out of nowhere, you know, really quick. But, you know, do you think that it helps to, you know, that's your body's way of kind of helping you get to that process? What do you think? Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. I don't like the term death spiral very much. I, I You know, life is one big death spiral. Look, we, we start dying the minute we're born. Right. But I'm just you talking know. about, I'm talking about your, you know, your, your physical body. I mean, you know, it's going to go. So would you rather have it go like, you know, in a peaceful manner or do you just want to just be like, I'm all healthy and then... That, the second one. That one, the second one. Okay. All right. So the next one is just the strange and the weird, of course, because it says dog crashes a car into Walmart. That is correct. I just said a dog crashes the car into Walmart. Okay. So shoppers could believe who was behind the wheel after a car crashed into the Wayne Walmart on Friday. A witness says, WSAZ, she was standing in front of the store when she noticed a car started moving from its parking space at the front of the lot in her direction. The woman says the car slowly moved straight towards her, and she at first guessed the driver was someone she knew who was messing with her. That is until she noticed the face of the driver was a dog. The woman got out of the way, and the car crashed into the store. She says a second dog was in the passenger seat, and after the wreck, the dog somehow managed to roll the window down. The store paged the owner of the car, who turned out to be a woman that was described as looking to be in her late 70s. The car owner said she left the car running when she went into the store so the dogs could stay cool, and the dog had managed to get the car out of park. An employee with the store said the dogs were fine and there was minimal damage done to the building and the car. The Wayne County Sheriff's Department responded to the scene. The owner was able to drive the car home after the crash. Okay, and that's like, why you don't leave your dog alone in the car on a hot day. I know. It's like, I'm just going to leave the car running so that you know they'll stay cool. And then, uh, hello? Couldn't you? Okay. I thought it would be pretty funny to see a lady's face when she goes, oh, look, there's a car. It's getting close to me. Oh, it must be my friend messing with me. And all of a sudden, you see a dog's face as it whizzes by you and hits the building. I have to say, that's that's pretty funny. Seems like something my dogs would do, except that I wouldn't leave them in the car with the car running. Monkey takes charge. She just starts driving. I don't think Monkey could reach the pedal. She's pretty little. Pretty oh, little. She's kind of little. Yeah, that's true. She's pretty tiny. All right, the last one is really weird because this one, I'm not really sure. Uh, this is Because dogs out. crashing cars are, is normal. Oh, no, this gets, well, this is weirder and, and, and a little grosser because this uh, is from China. It's good. All righty. Police arrest creepy ghost man and the mask who smeared poo and pee on a woman's door for seven months. Yes. No. Yes, it's true. The campaign started in January when the man wearing bed sheet, bright red shoes, and a long black wig started his rather disgusting campaign of terror. A man who dressed as a ghost and smeared feces and urine on a woman's door for seven months has finally been arrested. Security footage shows the creepy figure wearing a mask, bedsheet, red shoes, walking through the corridors of an apartment block and stopping at the victim's door. He then produces what looks like a bag of poo and begins daunting the excrement on the entrance to the flat. Chinese news website reported that the campaign of intimidation started in January when the victim, named as MS Yang, received a note accusing her of interfering with another person's family. Okay, so this is why this is happening. Although the woman replied with a note of her own saying she could explain the situation face-to-face to the strange ghost man began appearing at her door, leaving behind a disgusting trail of human waste. 
And Miss Yang installed CCTV outside of her home to catch the culprit, although one camera was destroyed by the aggressor in July. But on Tuesday, police in Dali in China's southwest Providence said they had arrested a 42-year-old man as part of an investigation into the strange attacks. He's reportedly being held for 20 days as police carry out further inquiries. So, because he disagreed with something, he just starts smearing poo on their door? I mean, really? Seriously? And you think America is weird. You think things in America are weird. Oh, I could see that happening in America. In America? Where they just start sure. smearing poo because they don't like them? Sure. I mean, how is that any less gross than what's the thing where you light the bag on fire? Oh, yeah, where you light the bag of poo and you ring the doorbell and they come up the snap on it? Yeah. When you're a little kid? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't know. It's. Still, I think it's still weird. Just because you have a disagreement, you're going to go and put pee and poo on someone's door. It's just kind of weird. Well, no, I'm not. But, you know, <laughs> that's just me. Okay. Well, I think it's weird. So there you go. So that's the news for this week. Great. That's going to be hard to get out of my brain. All righty. Well, you know, I had to share with you. When I read these things, I must Did share you? as when you share with me. Did you? Did you really have to share? So you don't like the death spiral name? Death spiral. I really don't enjoy that, no. It just sounds so spirally. It's ominous. But I mean, It I, sounds I, ominous. I, I, it was interesting how they were, I'm like, are they trying to prolong life? And then they're like, no, we're not trying to prolong life. We're just trying to make life the best you can, you know, physically, I guess, until, you know, your demise. Well, that's what I want is to be as physically, you know. Frankly, mm-hmm. I'd rather get mowed down by a bus in my prime than have a long, <laughs> slow, lingering death. Mowed down by a bus. That's wonderful. Well, I'm not putting that out there in the universe, so cancel yeah, that. Say, um, but, you, you know. Say, um, hello. But, but honestly, if there's a way to go, I just, you know, I want to be healthy right up until the end. And, and because I've, I've lived most of my life unhealthy. And, um, yeah, well, it's not very pleasant. Good. Is there, is there any particular way you would not want to go? Because everybody says that one thing where they're like, I, this is not the, this, this way I don't want to go. Any, I mean, you know, you don't really have a choice, but you know what I mean? Like me, it's fire. I know. No fire. Mm-hmm. Bow constrictor. Whoa. I never saw that come. Bow, like wrapping you up and squeezing you to death or eating you. Also but, murderous clown. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's been a lot of that in the news lately. Weird clowns running around scaring people in their town. Cheryl? Well, there's just so many that have just popped into my head. I, <laughs> I don't think I can beat Boa Constrictor, though. That one is no, frightening. No, that one I didn't see coming. I don't like I mean, that one at all. He has fire, so. If fire, you got fire or drowning. You know? Drowning, fire. How about murderous stabbing, clown? Murderous clown. Yeah. Murderous, Karen, I think you've won. I think you've won the contest of bad ways that you don't want to die from. Well, this, wasn't there a show that was something like 101 Ways to Die or something? And it's all yes. these, yes. these yes. terrible, <laughs> terrible ways of dying. Yeah, that show yes. was scary because You're like, oh, all thanks, those things could happen. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like, thanks. I never thought about that, but now I will. You know, here's the thing. Once I die, I'm dead. It doesn't really matter how I got there. That's true. That's Good true. point. It's just the getting there I worry about. Yeah. Yeah. Just stop saying. Just stop saying. Yeah. You know. It's all good because it'll be over quickly and I'll be dead. Especially if it's a murderous clown. <laughs> Stabbing you with a popsicle stick. Those big squeaky red shoes. And <laughs> the nose and the weird smile. Yeah, I know. That's weird how that's all about popping up in the news of the all over these different towns with these people dressed as clowns. I'm surprised one of them have gotten shot yet, so I'm not really... I haven't seen that. Um, I haven't either. Yes. 
yeah, I was just doing this story, and there was another one where they were like, you know, because they were doing pranks where they, you know, there were some prank ones, but there was some buddy running around in a town. It's like, how, how do you not get shot or taken out mm-hmm. somehow? It's kind of crap out of something like that. So I don't. Know. Uh, black-eyed kid. I would also not like to die by. Oh, yeah. Although maybe I would. Maybe I would because then I would know. Oh. In the as I was dying, I would think, "Oh my God, it's true." But like, what do they do to you? Like, what, how do they kill you? I don't know because there's nobody who's ever right. talked has been killed then, by a black eyed kid. It'd be horrible. And then we hear that she dies, and then I'm driving in this town, and then I say, "Dad, it looks like Karen." And there's this lady looks like Karen with black eyes, and she comes up to the car and says, "Let me in, let me in." Oh, that's it. I'd freak right there. <laughs> Over. Death action. by me. Oh, that's how you, is that how you don't want to die? Is death by Karen? Yeah, death by Karen Frazier. There you go. Nice. Beat that one. That's kind of like a murderous clown. <laughs> I love the red nose. <laughs> well, unless you've been drinking, then it might be the red nose. So, just saying. There you go. So, yeah, I'm More excited separate. to talk to this guy tonight about the ley lines and stuff. I really am, because we haven't had anybody. Yeah, that's going to be we interesting. Have we had anything before to talk about that? I don't remember. I Maybe mean, just in passing. I don't think we've ever devoted, cool. you know, much time to the subject, but it's Sweet. very interesting. I, I'm ready. I am ready. Nice. I'm excited. Okay. Well, look, do we have people in the chat room yet? Is there anybody out there? There's a few people in the chat room. Of course, a few of them are us. <laughs> that doesn't count. Ah, you guys, poor Rob. He's gonna. What is he? Chopped liver? He's he's Rob. He's not chopped liver. I never said he was chopped liver. He matters. He's in the chat room. He matters. I just said, is there more? I understand Rob's there. I love Rob. Rob's Tonight, a good... Tonight's a slow night in the chat room. We'll just put it that way. And it's Rob, that, you know, is our star the chat rumor. Yes. The here's thing. the thing. People the can thing. catch up with the show on podcast. Yep. Yeah. They can and do, or they can just come into the MixLR room anytime they want Yep. and listen to the archived shows. That is true. Yep. And hopefully maybe soon we'll be all over. All over. I think it'd be great. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be. Mm, that's everybody wants to listen to what I have to say, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, well, there's other people on the radio that are, you know, a lot weirder than us, so don't worry about it. Well. What if there's yeah. like a... Uh, like a like a, a clown group that like love listening to Karen. <laughs> like that would be cool. The creepy clown group. I, I, yeah. I think it's probably the insane clown posse. <laughs> <laughs> They're sure sending her like emails or pictures. Of probably clowns. you know who's probably a listener to this show? Who? Weird Al. <gasps> Ooh. He's probably he's probably a listener and he probably is planning to show up at my front door and give me a heart attack. He's going to do a Karen Frazier song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a song all about you, Karen. Wouldn't it be awesome? That would be terrible. <laughs> just look at her face when I said that. That's okay. It'll be a good song. It's like white and nerdy. Oh, oh, I like oh, him. Creepy. Mm-mm. Okay, there you nope. go. Creepy. Weird Al, scary. No Weird Al songs on my iPod. All on right. My- me, I, I I have been informed it is no longer an iPod since it's on my phone, oh. so I'm just supposed to call it on my iPhone or Apple Music gotcha. now. I'm not supposed to call it an iPod. Anymore. iPod, okay. Apple Music, gotcha. Okay, all right, good. Yep. Apparently, I'm kind of a dork and I call <laughs> things the wrong thing. So there you go. All right, so let's go to break, shall we? Sure. I think this conversation is over. Okay. Over. All right.
So stick around. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark on MixLR. We will be back with Brandon Callahan in a couple minutes. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Hey, great t-shirt. I've heard of that place. It's really supposed to be haunted. You wear such cool t-shirts. You must have been, what, to every haunted spot in the country? Well, not really. I'm a member of HauntedShirtClub.com. I get a great t-shirt from a different haunted place every month, along with an info card with photos and stories and more. I can hardly wait to open it every month. Wow, I have to check that out. HauntedShirtClub.com, right? Yep, that's it. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier, co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Thanks for listening to the show. You've probably read my column in Paranormal Underground Magazine. I write columns about energy healing, metaphysics, and also dream interpretation. But did you know I also am an author of multiple books about metaphysics and the paranormal? You can learn more about the books that I've written on my website, authorkarenfraser.com. That's author karen k-a-r-e-n fraser f-r-a-z-i-e-r dot com my name is daryl e berry jr longtime practitioner researcher and explorer of things metaphysical mystical and cutting edge and founder and director of next density a research education and development effort for personal and thus global progress transformation and development my current and upcoming books include travel far classes on a course in miracles and next density for my books and other writings videos interviews public talks and workshops and to schedule for consultations classes and courses visit daryl eberry jr.com or nextdensity.org next density change yourself Hey everyone, if you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today. just found it right here on paranormal underground radio in the dark join me chucky g and my awesome co-host karen frazier for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained that's right every thursday night at 6 p.m pacific 9 p.m eastern and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal and along the way we'll, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well so join us on paranormal underground radio in the dark exploring the unexplained we are back on MixLR. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. And now it is time to bring on our wonderful guest for this evening, Mr. Brandon Callahan. He's the author of The Agony That Remains, a Paranormal Investigation in America's Heartland. Hello, Brandon. How you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. How are you? 
I am doing fantastic. So good, good. We want to. I want to get a little background on you. Can you give us a little background on who you are, how you got into the paranormal? You know the normal uh, yada yada. Uh, so then we can move forward into uh, some of the things that we'd like to talk about uh, based on your bio, please. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, you know, for the most part, uh, just when I was a kid, I, I was always very interested in, I guess, the more mysterious side of things. Um, you know, be it ghosts or witches and vampires, things like that. And it really, it, it never really went away as I got older. And um, I, I had spent five years in the Air Force, and uh, several of those years were overseas. And just a couple kind of personal experiences I couldn't really explain away kind of drew me back in and, and made me really think about going out into the field and, and doing the investigation side of it as opposed to just reading and studying and things like that. So really, um, and that was about 10 years ago when I started um, actually working in the field. So it, it's been, uh, it, it goes quickly when you work different projects and things like that. So um, that that's kind of where it came from, really. Nothing, uh, you know, I hadn't had uh, a real devastating experience or anything like that that you hear a lot. Um, it was just more, um, I, I guess, curiosity and and just trying to go out there and and see for myself anything that I could really find out. Mm-hmm. Well, what I mean, you said you had a couple of personal experiences. What what what, mm-hmm. what was some of the stuff that kind of made you question or wonder mm-hmm. about it? Well, the one uh, the, I I think probably the main thing uh, that I had experienced. I was actually in Turkey, and uh, we were exploring some old ruins over there. It, it had been an old coliseum, and when we were exploring through there on a real hot day. As you can imagine, you know, well into the 100-plus degrees uh, in the middle of the summer, um, I was actually in the sunlight, and, and we were going down these this old stairwell, uh, which was still within the sun's range, and I, it actually got very cold, and I could actually see my breath uh, as, we were, as we were going down these stairs, and I kind of just froze. And within a few seconds, it kind of just went back to normal and... and very, very hot, and it was just something that made me feel really out of place. It was an uncomfortable feeling, and it, I, I just couldn't explain it. I, I couldn't figure it out, and it really kind of stuck with me. And so I carried that along with me, and when it came time for me to actually uh, get out of the Air Force and I was coming home uh, from overseas assignments, uh, that's when I really decided that I, I'd like to get out into the field and, and really start doing some work. Mm-hmm. So um, when you decided to get into the field, I mean, do you have your, did you start a team? Were you just part of a team? I mean, how did you get into uh, you know, at first? Well, I decided that I was going to go ahead, and I, I, I had had some ideas in my head as to how I wanted to approach it. And so that was, that was done by myself. And as I put it together, um, I happened to work with a really good friend of mine at the time who had had some field experience years back uh, before the paranormal research really hit mainstream. And so he and I had a lot of discussions, and and he ended up deciding that he'd like to work with me. Uh, And then my brother was also very interested in it, and so he decided the same. So we kind of just formed a team, and then along the way um, we kind of picked up one other guy who is now kind of my right hand, and uh, and he's been working with us pretty much from the beginning. And so it, it kind of just came together, really. Um, but I was pretty particular about the approach that I wanted to take. 
um, because it was becoming so mainstream at the time, um, I wanted to make sure that, that, you know, we didn't really get caught up in a lot of the, the, I guess, publicity aspect and things like that. That that was really kind of secondary. I wanted Mm -hmm. to focus more on, uh, developing theories and research. And, and I think for the most part, we've really stuck to that over the years. Okay. Um, so I see, I saw one of the things that was on your bio about uh, you developed a method of tracking potential hotspot lo- locations throughout the world. Can you give me an idea of what that is and how you came, actually, how, well, what it is and how you came about it? Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, it ties really well into the new book. Um, and it, it's basically the study of ley lines, which a lot of people are familiar with in name, but not necessarily in action. And that would so, be me. Um, okay, and and so what I, I was always very fascinated with that idea that there are these unseen and barely documented geographic lines that kind of map out different energy spots throughout the world wherever right. they intersect. Mm-hmm. And so I I was able to find what I you know having done a lot of research with it I, I was able to find this program that allows me to overlay. Uh, it's not a exact because really an exact ley line map of the world is nearly impossible, if not impossible, to come by. Right. Um, but I think with the vortex information that they had developed and being able to lay it over Google Earth, that has allowed me to use that as a pretty good method. And so what we do is we look for these intersecting points. Obviously, having just so much time, I've done a lot of the local stuff and, and things like that. But, uh, but really, that's, and it's been pretty surefire. I, I've been able to find all kinds of different really outrageous cases and, and uh, experiences and things of that nature uh, by doing this method. And so for me, it kind of takes the requirement of knocking on doors and seeking out cases and mm-hmm. spending money on famous haunted locations to investigate. Uh, for me, this is more of a you're kind of going in blind and you're trusting the science aspect of it. And, and then you find the stories and you can develop it from there. And then you do your investigation and your research. And so for me, that's been something that I've definitely, that's kind of the route that I've been really working on for quite a few years now. Well, out of the, I guess, 10 years in in the field, probably seven of it have been uh, really pursuing this particular type of, uh, of case. Mm-hmm. That's a really unique approach. So ley lines are actually like a scientifically proven thing? Well, not necessarily. Depending on the culture, really, um, you can go in Europe, you know, you can do research in in England and Ireland, all over Europe, and you're going to find ley line ties uh, thousands of years back. And the, people have also tied it into the Aztecs, where it, it mm-hmm. would it would tie into their astronomy as well. Like for example, you'll see a um, something like Stonehenge actually sits on intersecting ley line points, mm-hmm. and so uh, you'll find a lot of these Indian burial grounds, um, a lot of these different types of um, markers, you know, significant markers, and a lot of times you'll find mysterious things like. The Bermuda Triangle, for example, okay. it sits right on one of the largest clusters of ley lines in the entire world. And so, so let's, it just can we, can we, 
can we go back and kind of do ley lines 101 real quickly uh, <laughs> just for, uh, for people like me who, who don't really I mean I know I know of them in name I know their intersections how do we know where they're there how do we know where they are you know that kind of thing well that's part of the mystery of it is the fact that they were developed and used in different types of religions throughout history as significant earth energy locations when you look at a ley line on a map, it looks like your typical latitude and longitude lines that you'll see on your right. regular map or globe, right. except they go in different directions. And so as, as you're looking at these lines, which are supposed to be the intersecting points of these lines is supposed to be, in theory, and, and again, it's not proven, but in theory okay. what it is okay. is it's, a, it's an abundance of natural earth energy. Um, and... and and so, in a manner of speaking, what it, what it can do, and again, this is theory development, is that these types of unexplained activity and everything can be heightened because of this ex excessive energy that's there, as opposed to, um, you know, just you're just in a random city or whatever the case might be. You're going to find your hauntings. You're going to find all that sort of thing. I mean, if you believe this sort of thing exists, you, you almost have to believe that it exists pretty much everywhere. Right. Um, and so when it comes to the ley line research, what you're looking for is this heightened, like you, a lot of times you'll find locations with excessively high electromagnetic fields uh, that are all around. You'll also find that a lot of reports of, that's when you get a lot of reports of these cryptids and things of that nature, okay. alien encounters, UFOs. And so really the, the, the ley line itself it's really just that. It's, it's a theory, and where the intersecting points are is where you're typically going to find, I guess, just, just a heightened level of this energy that a lot of investigators would say can cause or promote higher levels of paranormal activity. Okay, so are they regularly and evenly spaced like latitude and longitude? Uh, yes, because what you're going to find... And the Bermuda Triangle is a good example. There is, there is a certain number of these extremely large clusters where you would find, I want to say, I, please forgive me because I don't have it right in front of me. It's no, it's 16 okay. or 18 lines that are going to intersect right at one main location. And they hmm. spread out in all the different directions. And it is symmetrical. And you can trace those lines all the way around the globe, of course. And so they're going to eventually okay. come back and, and re-intersect. Now, these big clusters, like the Bermuda Triangle, there's also one down in Mexico, just on the other side of the border, and these lines are going to shoot out in these different directions, and eventually they're going to intersect with one another. And okay. so that's what I'm looking for in my reference, is where are You're looking are these for the intersections. That's so correct. are you looking for, so, for intersections, like multiple intersections, or just like one intersection? Is one intersection enough? My theory is, is the more intersecting lines is a potential for more activity. And so right. that's where there's actually six lines that intersect in the location that this new book is based on down in northeast Oklahoma. And so that's really what drew me down there is because it's one of the largest intersecting clusters that I have geographically close enough to me to where I could research. And okay. so that was kind of a focus for me. So if I wanted to find where clusters intersected near me, how do I do that? 
Well, there's. I can tell you where the uh, where you can actually get this file. You just download the file. You download Google Earth, and then you incorporate the file into it, and then it shows oh, okay. up right there. Okay. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. So that would be really cool if you could tell. Like, uh, is it your file or is it somebody else's? I did not develop it. No. There, there was actually um, a friend of mine. His name is Daniel Shaw. Mm -hmm. uh, he's worked in this type of field with with those lines for many many years, and he had worked really closely with a number of different people, and they were the ones that developed it. And so I I happened to just come across it at, at one point because I was doing extensive research trying to find something that I thought was was reliable. And, right. You know that was the type of research that I wanted to do, and again. Finding a hard copy map of these lines is nearly impossible. And if you do, it's probably going to be of just a small geographic area. And okay. so this, this was kind of the, the golden ticket, so to speak, for this type of research that I was wanting to conduct. And so I just contacted them and made sure, you know, that, that uh, they wanted to go ahead and, and pretty much allow me to go ahead and use this. And sure enough, they were very, very much for it. As as I'm kind of talking to you, I'm I'm also searching for that link as well because I just don't okay. have it right off the top of well, my head. Well, you know, here's the thing: you can give it to, you can send it to Cheryl at any point, and we can post it on our social media if if it's okay to promote it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will check with I will check with Dan and make sure, and uh, I can get okay. that link over to you. That's no problem. Because I would think that, so you actually look for the intersections and you go there because your theory is that there is activity. But I would think a lot of investigators, it would be helpful when working with clients to be able to look and see mm -hmm. uh, what the ley lines are. And it's almost, it almost sounds like what you need is a database where you can have other investigators enter in a location um, to supplement your research to see, you know, to help to see if that theory actually bears out where people interactivity and locations. Sure, absolutely. And and that's something that I've always been a big proponent of is sharing information. It's mm -hmm. just a lot of times in this field, you know, yeah. there's not a lot of sharing of information. No, <laughs> stop. And that's so, silly. You're kidding. I know, I know, I, I know. <laughs> But it's just, let's just say from, I can only speak to my personal experience, mm -hmm. and uh, I really couldn't agree with you more. I think like minds yeah. putting their minds together can definitely yeah. make progress. Yes. And it's so, something that I've always been a big proponent of. If someone's house is on the intersection of several ley lines, that seems like that could be kind of um, an interesting living situation. Okay. <laughs> I would think so, I, and and that's really the the property that we were working on down there. It 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 started out as uh, really a road trip, um, as you know, we'll we'll certainly get into. And this particular case just took on a life of its own, and it happened immediately. Um, and it was it, this area. So you have to remember as well when you're talking about these intersecting points, you can narrow it down to a latitude and longitude as best you can, but it's not going to be exact. And, and when sure. you're talking about when you're talking about these areas, you're talking about a pretty big geographical area. For example, when I see these intersecting points, what I start doing is I zoom out a little bit, and then I'm looking probably in about a 20 mile radius of that intersection. I'm looking at different towns, and I'm looking for different unsolved mysteries, you know, stories that have made the news, things like that. 
And so I actually have my own little database for me state that I've gone through and I've I've taken note of six or seven towns and cities that might be in and around these intersecting points. And that's that for me is just a good base to start uh my research as far as what I'm looking for. And so but but yeah, when when you talk about these types of areas, I mean this whole area of northeast Oklahoma is just it is just just incredible as far as the amount of reported activity all over the place and and really when history tied itself into this particular town that I was in that was what really piqued my interest because it had a combination of this ley line research that I was doing and then this this incredible historical event um that really tied in as well and so for me it it really all started to kind of build on itself. It, it was like the puzzle that put itself together. It was very cool. Well, and how cool is it when you have this idea or this theory and you kind of think, well, I don't know if this is going to work or not, and then you see it all start to fall into place? Well, it was amazing because, as I said, initially this, this little trip we were going on, the idea of it was just to hit different locations. Our final destination was New Orleans, and so we were going to drive from Kansas City to New Orleans, and we were going to stop at different points along the way and just investigate some places and talk to the locals. Because, of course, in every different town and area, you're going to get different talk, you know, talking points and stories about paranormal activity. Some places are really open to it. Some are very closed off. So what we sure. were trying to do is just document all these different things. And it just so happened that this one area that I wanted to hit on our way down to New Orleans was in that corner of northeast Oklahoma because of that. And so that kind of gave me an excuse to start the research process. And, again, that just kind of took on a life of its own. And so it, it was. It was very cool. And ever since then, every time I've really pursued this ley line theory, uh, it, it pays off in spades. Well, let's talk about this town in, in Oklahoma then. Um, so mm -hmm. you were on your way to New Orleans, and mm -hmm. you stopped here. And Correct. Tell, tell us, uh, if you can, where it is and, and uh, what you would like to share about what you found. Absolutely. The, the town itself is called Tahlequah. Uh, Tahlequah is actually where the, well, in the historical aspect of this particular town, it is where the really notorious Trail of Tears ended. Uh, the Trail of Tears, just real brief overview, is when the U.S. government moved Native American tribes from their right. lands, mostly in the, in the eastern coastal areas of the United States, and they walked them uh, really halfway across the country. And this right. is where the Trail of Tears actually ended. Um, and as I was doing more and more research on this, of course it became more and more heartbreaking, and, and it really drove me to really get this story out there because the Trail of Tears is not something that's widely taught. It's not taught in schools for obvious reasons. It was a very, it was basically another Holocaust is what it was. And the, the stories you hear from the Native Americans, even generations later about the atrocities that occurred, uh, will break your heart. And, and it's infuriating. Now, when I was looking at the Trail of Tears itself. There were several different trails, but the one I was focused on started um, on the on the western border of North Carolina, and worked its way over into Tahlequah, where it ended, and it kind of 
what it did, though, when I was looking at my map, is it basically followed one of these ley lines from point A to point B. It almost followed it exactly, which I thought was really significant. Um, and again, it, it's one of those things where these these different points, you know, it's almost like this puzzle, these different pieces just keep falling into place. And so that was something very interesting to me. Um, and so that was what really brought me down there. Now, I was actually working on private land owned by a couple of brothers who are of Cherokee Indian descent, um, and they grew up surrounded by all kinds of different, really unexplainable activity, um, to the point where I had to kind of stop. It, when, when we met them and they were walking us through and telling us about the things that they had experienced and the stories that were told locally, they were literally just about to blow my head open because it was one thing after the other. It went from UFOs and alien encounters to Sasquatch to demons and witches and witchcraft. And you just go down the A through Z paranormal book, and it was like they were reading it page by page. It was crazy. Wow. And so what you do, of course, as, as an investigator, you have to stay objective, and you're not there to judge anybody's story. But at the same time, you are human, and you're going to say, wait a minute, so this, 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 and this, and, and that's where we start? Uh, and so you, you kind of just take the approach of, I guess we have to expect the unexpected. And sure enough, the, longer, the more often we went down there and the longer we were there, it was as though one thing after the other after the other just kept happening. And, and it, each time it just reiterated their stories, and it was mind-blowing. It, it was one of these things that was very difficult to put into words. And there was so much activity. One of my more difficult, I guess, jobs was to make this concise and make it make sense when I'm telling this story in the book, mm -hmm. uh, which, which was a little bit of a task. Because, again, there's just so much that was going on. And to try to find a source or try to find a reason, that was very difficult. And, you know, I think we narrowed it down pretty well. But I think it would be nearly impossible to tell an exact reason for everything and whether or not it can ever stop. And it's, it's one of those places that I honestly just think is very unique. It's, it's a place unlike anywhere I've ever been. And I've been to a lot of different very active locations. Um, this one held its own. It, it was on a whole different level of anything that I've ever experienced, for sure. Hmm. Um, let's do this. It's seven o'clock. Well, it's seven o'clock where I am. It's other times in your states. <laughs> but we need to take a break. Um, so I want to keep talking about this. This Say the name of the town again. Tahlequah. Tahlequah. Uh, I want to keep talking about it because it sounds really fascinating. So let's take a break. And when we come back, we can continue. Sound good? Excellent. All right. Stick around, everybody. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio. I forgot the name of the show. Woo. We're listening to Paranormal <laughs> Underground Radio in the dark here on MixLR. We'll be back in a minute. Hey, great T-shirt. I've heard of that place. It's really supposed to be haunted. You wear such cool T-shirts. You must have been, what, to every haunted spot in the country? Well, not really. I'm a member of HauntedShirtClub.com. I get a great t-shirt from a different haunted place every month, along with an info card with photos and stories and more. I can hardly wait to open it every month. Wow, I have to check that out. HauntedShirtClub.com, right? Yep, that's it. 
Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Hey everyone, if you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today. The traditional light bulb, a groundbreaking invention in 1879. It's time we switch to longer-lasting Energy Star light bulbs. They're more efficient than the old bulbs, like a text message is more efficient than a carrier pigeon. And they cut down on our energy costs. Because in our own groundbreaking age, we deserve a light bulb that saves us some cash. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. So you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. This is Mix LR. This is Paranormal Underground Radio uh, in the dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G. We are talking with Mr. Brandon Callahan, uh, the author of The Agony That Remains, a paranormal investigation in America's heartland. We were centering on the town of Tahlequah. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit more about the town and kind of what you what you found out? Well, I, I yeah, you said it was Bigfooty. Yeah. Bigfooty? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that well, a word? Bigfooty? <laughs> I, I think if you need it to be, it is. Okay. We'll need it to be right now. So we'll, <laughs> so, just say, we'll say Bigfooty. You know, it, it, again, it was one of these things when we first got there. As a matter of fact, it was one of the brothers that was kind of telling us an anecdote during our initial walkthrough. And his description of whatever he had experienced as a child uh, had me and my partner looking at each other, knowing exactly what it was that he was describing, at least, you know, a Bigfoot as far as what we typically hear about, you know, the right. wood knocking, uh, throwing things at people, things of that nature. And as he's describing it, we sort of just looked at each other and, and said, you know, hey, the, what you're describing to us is this you know it is a, what would be typically known as a sasquatch or a bigfoot and he kind of looked at us and, and he was a little taken aback by it and i don't think he had ever put two and two together just because there have been so much unexplainable activity down there um but as we as we started to look into it there it, it is one of the more common places that i've ever seen as far as i know y'all uh, at least some of you are up in the northwest where there's tons mm. of different you know, sightings and, and yeah. uh, experiences. Well, down in Oklahoma, in, in the Ozark area, see, I live in Kansas City, Missouri, and in southern Missouri is the Ozarks. 
um, mm-hmm. mountainous, you know, not not like Rockies, but they're hills more or less, but they're really thick woods. And there's a lot of different stories of Bigfoot and Sasquatch down there. And Tahlequah actually sits at what we call the foothills of the Ozarks. And so it's really picturesque. It's beautiful country. It's very hilly. Um, and not like what a lot of people picture Oklahoma to be. I actually had this envisioned in my head of this desert wasteland, basically. And when we got down there, I was stunned by how beautiful it was, this just green and, and thick woods. So anyway, there are tons of reported sightings and experiences that have to do with Bigfoot down there. And the more and more we did our research, um, the more and more we tended to believe that if you spend enough time out there looking, you may find something. But again, my theory on Bigfoot is a little bit different, I think, than most. Um, mm-hmm. And I can certainly, and I and I preface that by saying that Bigfoot has never been my, I guess, focus area of my research. Right. Right. I, I really had never done any research on Bigfoot other than reading stories because I thought it was fascinating. Um, but I had never done any field research on them at all up until I went down there, and I just found reason to do it. And my theory is is they're more of an interdimensional being than necessarily a physical being that is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, living, functioning, and, and being active in our reality. Um, and as a matter of fact, I had recorded a lot of different what what sounded like your stereotypical Bigfoot calls or or yelling things like that. I had recorded a lot of it, and it was crystal clear on my recordings. But we didn't hear it with our own ears, which actually led me to believe that they can communicate and do communicate at a level more closer to what would be an EVP. Um, I have so, I have yeah. one of those that's almost the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, and it was very common. Yeah. It was it was crazy because you, we'd hear the wildlife. There were cows every now and again that would get stirred up, or you'd hear dogs. Um, you'd hear all kinds of different wildlife, but nothing was even remotely close to what we would capture on these recordings. But never once did we hear it with our own ears real time, and it was definitely loud enough when we went back and replayed it to where it would have certainly been something we would have heard relatively easily. Um, And then one of the more, I guess, hair-raising experiences that I had down there, um, there was this disembodied scream that occurred. um, But I don't know that I would equate that towards a Bigfoot or anything else for that matter. I mean, to be honest with you, it sounded more to me like what, what you and I might think if there's a banshee scream or something like that. It was so loud and and it was powerful. It was the it was the scariest thing that I've ever just heard on any investigation that was just I mean everybody just stopped dead in their tracks, you know, just totally frozen knowing that we're very far from the next people. There there weren't people just wandering on this property and we made sure to check it very quickly when things like that would happen. Um, but you know, the, you start experiencing these things and, and there's just a, a whole new level. The, the, the second you think, well, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard, or that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Then the next time we go down there, something completely different and, and more incredible happens. It was just mm-hmm. that kind of place. It just had that, just had that different uniqueness to it. 
Mm, I, 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 I've been to a place like that. I like those places. They certainly give you lots of things to research. So, so did you have right. any UFO activity? Because you said they had UFO stories, too. Well, as I said, I was in the Air Force. And so, uh, well, actually, and, and with the security clearance that I had while I was in the Air Force, I was pretty much allowed to see and read and hear and, you know, whatever I needed to do. Now, I don't really get too specific into that for obvious reasons. However, right. I can say that personally, with my own eyes, I had never seen what I would classify to be a UFO. And, let, okay. and let's remember, a UFO being the definition, an unidentified flying object. Doesn't right. necessarily mean it's a flying saucer. You know, uh, it, we're thinking, when, when I'm trying to debunk or I'm trying to classify something as, as whether it's a UFO, it's is it a satellite? Is it a plane? Is it a helicopter? You know, all these things that are either man-made, something quote-unquote explainable and the first night we were down there I witnessed the for the first time in my life what I would classify as something that I would definitely say would be a UFO now okay. we couldn't get it on camera because it was so high up in the atmosphere and well it was in looked as though it was in space I mean anybody could have seen it probably from just about anywhere it was that high but at the rate of speed it was traveling the constant light as opposed to any blinking light and the movements, but the, the, the amount of sky that it covered within about a minute and a half and the turns that occurred, and eventually it just made this meandering turn and elevated until it was just gone. Um, but that was, that was something that I had to classify in my own mind as a UFO because I just simply couldn't explain it. It couldn't have possibly been a satellite. They don't move nearly that fast. Uh, there's no planes that are going to be number one, that high, and have no blinking lights on them at all. And uh, that so agile, I, too. <laughs> exactly. You're not going to see that kind of ground covered in those kinds of maneuvers unless right. it, it's something else. And so uh, that was something that I definitely uh, experienced. Now, one other thing that actually became fairly, well, I wouldn't even say common, but almost just on command, I don't know if I can tie it into aliens or UFOs, but there was interruptions and manipulations of uh, electronics. For example, we carry, just for safety reasons, we carry walkie-talkies on our, on our person in case we get separated. I do like to work in small groups. I'm usually working with one person, maybe two other people. That's pretty typical. I usually don't go above four on any particular investigation. I just feel a little bit more in tune with what's going on if the group's really small. Um, and so it, that first night, it just happened to be me and one other guy. And we were kind of giving one of the homeowners or the landowners a little bit of an update as to some of the experiences we had had, because both of us, within a couple hours, we had experienced more that night than we had on really just about any other investigation and, you know, that either one of us had ever conducted. It was just that active. And so we were kind of giving the homeowner or the landowner a little bit of a rundown. And as we were explaining that we had just seen what we thought to be a UFO up in the sky, we were just standing there and all of a sudden our walkie-talkies triggered in as though somebody was calling in. Now, of course, we're on a very random frequency, 
and these walkie-talkies are only going to have a, a, a good line of sight of communication of about a mile. And we were about two miles from even the nearest highway. Um, and line of sight there being so hilly is next to none. And so we couldn't have really had anybody knowing or understanding that we even had these things on us. Now, you can probably explain away like a glitch in the walkie or something like that that might trigger it. Uh, neither one of us had laid any hands on them at all that night. But what you can't really explain away is when there's a childlike voice that comes over one of them and says, help me. Hmm. And that's exactly what had happened. And, of course, we stopped. We were stunned. We hadn't called out or asked any questions. And as we went on through the night, the walkie-talkies would just become more and more active. And then we had different voices coming through. Some of them were extremely aggressive. And uh, at one point, I didn't touch the walkie-talkie. We were sitting in one of the houses with a lot of reported activity, and I actually just asked a question. I said, are you able to communicate with us through the walkie-talkie? And within a couple seconds, a voice came over the walkie-talkie and said, yes, I can. <laughs> wow. Oh, I, I hope you got that on film or on uh, audio. Oh, I, had it, I had it 10 different ways, and I... <laughs> Every time I hear it still, it blows my mind. I, I, I can't, I, I, I cannot wrap my mind around it. As a matter of fact, that little instance, I, I don't know if it's going to be used, but th there's actually going to be, I, I can't tell you all the details yet, but this mm -hmm. fall there's going to be a new show um, that I actually worked with um, them, and they covered this story that the book is based on down there. So they had myself and one of the, uh, or a couple of the guys I work with. So we will actually be on one of their episodes. And cool. we provided that to them because when we were filming, again, I can't really give away all of it, but let's just say that there were some, there were some interesting things that had happened. Um, after getting a lot of blank stares and maybe even hearing some whatever's mumbled, when things start happening exactly the way you explain it within minutes, it's pretty impressive, to say mm -hmm. the least. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Chuck. No, I was going to say, uh, well, now you were talking about the, the, the voices and stuff coming through the walkie-talkies and such. Was this, was this uh, the energies you were talking about? Maybe they, the, you said there were energies that had no fear, uh, such as dark forces. Um, would, was this part of what you felt was that? Well, at, at first, you at first you have to take so many things into consideration mm -hmm. because there's reports of demonic infestations and demonic activity. So you have to remember that, in in theory, demons can manifest themselves in many different ways. They can mimic people. They can appear as something innocent. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of different things we had to consider. Because when you start seeing these things come through, and, and specifically one of the voices that was coming through the walkie was very aggressive. As a matter of fact, it, it sounded like this breathing. Um, I, it, I, I don't know if I'm going to hurt your ears, but it was like a... Like that, and, and it, was, hmm. it was very powerful and very, very aggressive. So, again, I... It, whether or not it was alien in nature or demonic or your typical haunting, a ghost of some sort, some sort of a really powerful energy, it, it was nearly impossible to say. And I think in a lot of ways still is because 
because it, we don't have these definitive answers. That, that's exactly why we have to go out and still do more research because we can't we can't 100% factually answer a lot of these questions. And sometimes the occurrence leaves more questions than answers. And so when it came down to so many different stories being told to us from different angles, it was it was hard to say exactly what could be made made of it. And the reason I mentioned, excuse me, the reason I mentioned in the first place the possibility of this activity with the walkies being possibly alien in nature is because other times when we've heard these things key on, we've actually heard what almost sounds like a sort of music or some sort of tone that's coming over the airwaves, almost like, I don't know if you've you've seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but mm-hmm. it's very musical, and there's like this communication. Mm-hmm. And we heard similar things to it over the walkie-talkies, and it was just crazy. And so mm-hmm. it makes you start asking these questions, like, are, you know, do we have something like not of this world literally trying to or possibly communicating with us and I had to go back and re-listen to all the audio. Maybe there was some sort of a Morse code or something like that because it was very choppy. You know, there was a long sound and then a short burst of sounds and things like that. So I started trying to break it down to Morse code and everything in between. And that's just, it's, there's so much to it. it. It just takes so much research. I just don't have really good answers for it yet. Uh-huh. Did, now, did you, besides this other activity that's going on, was there activity that connected the Native Americans to what was happening? I mean, did you capture you know, EVPs or you know things or visuals yeah. that had to do with the actual Trail of Tears, or at least the Native Americans? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And as a matter of fact, uh, within a few minutes of going into the house that first night, I had brought with me just kind of a cheat sheet of words or catchphrases that I had translated from english into traditional cherokee and every single time that i started using some of these phrases or words one of my pieces of equipment is what's called an rt evp it's one of my Mm -hmm. favorite audio devices because i get a I get a real-time playback in my ear on just a slight delay and so when i ask a question if i'm quiet if there's a response a lot of times i can hear it real time and sure enough within just a few minutes and my name hadn't been used at all in the house. I hadn't introduced myself by name. Jeremiah hadn't used my name or anything. But within a couple minutes of me starting this interaction or this Q&A using some of these Cherokee words, I heard my name three different times, and it was very clear, and it kept getting more forceful. The third time I heard it just out of my right ear, which was just from – I was standing in the kitchen of this house, and it was from the living room area. And as I looked over – into the living room, I saw this black mass shadow, just as it was described for us earlier in the day. It moved across an open front door and blacked everything out. It was about three feet tall, mm-hmm. and it came across the living room, and then it shot towards me, and then it just disappeared right as it hit basically the doorway between the living room and the kitchen, right where I was standing. Um, wow. And so, yeah, when and it seemed to really kind of kick up this odd behavior and activity when we started using the Cherokee words. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Sounds like, po- sounds like poltergeist activity, wouldn't you say? I mean, the th- some of it. The well, movement that, of yeah, things, absolutely. objects. Absolutely, yeah. because, you know, you're talking about physical objects, you're talking about manipulation of objects, um, 
you know, voices being thrown, uh, just all kinds of different. As a matter of fact, we had also heard this growling sort of sound, but it sounded like mechanical. It was almost like a, a an angry robot dog that was growling at us. And again, it, it wasn't anything like what you've ever heard. Mm-hmm. You can just do your best to describe it, I think. And and until you hear it and experience it, it's it's hard to wrap your mind around. That That's probably the most difficult thing about this particular book. And I can't wait for everybody to read it. But I'm also well prepared for the, you've got to be kidding me. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> yeah, right. it, it really goes and goes and goes. And, and I was trying to wrap my brain around one thing, and then something totally different and off the wall would happen. And, and so trying to relay that, again, in a sensible way uh, was kind of a task. You know, <laughs> without making it sound just so over the top, I mean, you know, people are going to call me crazy, and, and they call any investigator crazy. And right. That's perfectly fine. I, I'm yeah. not out there. My job is not to convince you that this stuff exists. That's not right. my job. Right. My job is to write a story that you might find entertaining, and I hope to educate some people as well along the way. And so, you know, I could take the criticisms, but at the same time, I, I try to tell the story exactly as it happened. No. It says that the, the there was a, a family that had been actually driven off. The, so was there someone that like lived on this land? This and then was kind of like there was just so much stuff they got pushed off, and that's how it. Well, a lot it of people or? had a, a lot of people had left that particular property over the years. The, okay. The I think where they were indicating the people driven from their lands was more closely tied to the original uh, Trail of Tears, where. Of course, these generations upon generations of Native Americans that lived prosperously and happily here before the the immigrants and the and the pilgrims and and before America was established, basically. Right. Yes. And really, the government and in, in this this horrific tragedy took it upon themselves to take the short-sighted approach and really disregard the people that probably should have been held on a pedestal for us because they knew the land and they knew what the land could provide. They knew, uh, you know, they were spiritual, but they weren't Christian. And so just like today, differences tear people apart and differences put people on the defensive. And it led to this extraordinary tragedy back then which I think in some ways still hasn't been really dealt with. I, I, I still feel like, personally, I feel a debt. And I feel, because I mean, I, I do have Native American heritage in my blood. It's, it's generations ago. Mm-hmm. But, but it's always been a, a source of pride for me as far as I, I love reading about Native American culture. And I love experiencing uh, all that they have to offer and so this this particular case to me was like a dream. You know, I, I, I've right. said it in the past that an investigator can go out and investigate for 20 years and maybe not come across a story or a case like this. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I knew from the get-go how lucky I was to have found this place. So with your with the with the did you bring? I mean, what kind of tech did you bring out to, to like? If we're talking talking ley lines, we're talking the activity that's going on. You know, as far as like EMF, electromagnetic frequencies, this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stuff had to be off the charts compared to the norm. 
You know, oddly enough, I, I think where it comes to the EMF levels, where, where the measurement of the EMF, I don't yes. know that you're necessarily, like, like we were talking about, when we're looking in these probably 10 to 20 mile radiuses, it's not going to be constant and, and, and definite everywhere you go. As a matter of okay. fact, this particular property had very flat levels of EMF on it. I mean, we were at 0.0 on everything. And mm -hmm. so when we started getting spikes or we started getting responses, that right. actually seemed to us to be a little bit more, uh, I, I guess, relevant. Because, mm -hmm. you know, if, if, if you're not getting anything and you've checked the place, there's only a very little part of this property that even had power. Right. And so you're not you're not getting a lot of interruptions. Like mm -hmm. you walk through someone's house, you've got microwaves, you've got refrigerators, right. televisions. It wasn't really like that out here. We were pretty yeah. much in the middle of nowhere. And well, yeah, so I when just we meant, started seeing these. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just meant like on a earth basis, you know, because you have EMF that's mm -hmm. within the ground, you know. I mean, they use it for growing gardens and stuff like that, right. uh, projecting well, energy. Well, and what you're probably going to need to determine that, whether, let's say, for example, this particular area in and around Tahlequah, if yeah. that's going to be in, a, in abundance that would be at a higher level than, let's just say, you know, where you're at if you're not on these mm -hmm. intersecting lines, I'd mm -hmm. say you're probably going to need a little bit better scientific measurement right. equipment than I can really yeah. afford. Yeah. I uh -huh. don't know that a K2 meter or your typical <laughs> yeah. EMF detector... Right you're not really going to get solid answers on that. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, now, one thing that we were able to do is we were able to secure, because we had been told about part of this, um, part of the legend, I guess, of this property was, is there was a lot of un unmarked graves all over the property. Mm -hmm. And I actually had one of, one of my close partners has, uh, he, he's, he's a medium, you know, he, he, he tells me his feelings on a place without knowing anything about it, and then I try to see whether or not what he tells me makes sense. Right. Now, oddly enough, he had actually pointed out, when I was walking him through the property, he had pointed out some real specific locations throughout the property that he actually felt could have actually been unmarked graves. Now, we were able to secure, and again, this, this may come up here this fall, um, as, as what we were able to secure was ground penetrating radar equipment, yes. mm -hmm. and and in these exact locations, almost to the foot, were anomalies on almost every single spot that he pointed out. And, and mm. we weren't able to dig as of yet. But we were waiting on approval, mm -hmm. but he was even the the GPR guy that was running the equipment was even telling us the depth. And several of them were right at six feet, which is not normal for piping and things like that. Um, and, and the size of them, as he was marking off these plots, they were almost exactly what you would think would be grave-sized plots, and they're six feet deep. And so, again, we try to incorporate science, and we try to incorporate the you know, the, the mediumship and the psychic yeah. aspect as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and we try to do everything we can to see if they all tie themselves together and mesh. And then mm -hmm. I believe that strengthens the original theory. And yes. so it was very cool how, how we were able to kind of tie a lot of this in. And, and so for me, that was a major development. And it was just something that I couldn't typically afford out of my own pocket. I mean, all the cost equipment and travel and everything else has always come out of my pocket. 
And so when, when you have this third party available with a little bit of a budget, it's pretty cool to be able to incorporate some things that you've always wanted to, but maybe necessarily couldn't just simply because right. of the available funds. That's cool. So, um, so was there any of the, just out of curiosity, was there any of the norm, you know, like you get on investigations, like whether the, uh, limestone deposits, water, any of the, the normal mm-hmm. conditions you find with a haunting, was there anything that you found any connection there? Absolutely. It, it, well, and limestone's extremely common in that part of, mm-hmm. of the state, that Ozark area. Yep. is almost exclusively limestone, which yep. you'll find, and, you know, you can research that. Um, and so, yeah, that, that definitely would tie itself in. And mm-hmm. the property line itself actually did have kind of a streaming creek that ran around it. Now, oddly enough, the way that this property is, it's actually elevated. On one side of it, there's almost a sheer drop-off of about 100 feet. So it's almost like a cliff, and mm-hmm. you've got a wood line to it, and then you've got your property where there's several houses, there's a big yard area, and then on the opposite side, there's a big wooded area. And so, you know, for, so on the one side, you've got it pretty much cut off right there. And then you've got running water at the bottom of that. Now, when I would look out, though, and what really brought me to this, this feeling when, when I was talking to Jason, he's the medium that I was telling you about, and he's telling me about these unmarked graves, when I initially got there, I actually just had this feeling in my gut that what we were standing on could potentially have been one mass grave, whether it was documented or not. You have to remember a lot of times, and just from our perspective, a lot of times we have a tendency to think of the land we're standing on as the United States of America, not the fact that this land has been there just as long, if not longer, than land overseas. I mean, th- th- this right. land has had things happen that have been undocumented for thousands of years. And so I felt like as we looked out, there's this big field across the way, and I almost just had this feeling that it was a battleground. I I couldn't tell you why. I just had this kind of intuition. And sure enough, the brothers started showing me all these relics that they would find. They find find arrowheads everywhere, uh, spearheads, things like that, that have been just all over the place. So I felt like this particular area could have very well been some sort of a, a grave site, and which could, of course, you know, in our theory as investigators, kind of say, well, if you're building on top of a mass grave, and if there is paranormal activity, chances are pretty good you're going to run across some of that. <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. desecrating a, a, a graveyard of any kind is kind of kind of the no no we no nobody nobody needs to be doing that and it happens all the time though because again a lot of these places just aren't documented and we have no idea until the structure is already standing that's why you find brand new houses that are as haunted as can be not right. just the old ones that look like they're falling down you know right. warehouses and skyscrapers all have all kinds of different un- unexplained activity and a lot of times it can have to do with where they're built well, this place sounds like just kind of the perfect storm of everything. You've got the limestone, you've got the water, you've got the ley lines, you've got the, the buried dead that are unmarked. I mean, you know, yeah. what, what, what doesn't it, which, which cliche doesn't it have? You know what I mean? Right. Well, well let, me, let me throw one more cliche on top of that. Okay. Unbe- unbeknownst to me, 
in in all my years growing up and and living in the Midwest, I only know of one fault line, and that is one that is is running right near the St. Louis area, which would be on the opposite side of the state of Missouri. Anyway, apparently there's a pretty substantial fault line that's going to run right through Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Wichita, Kansas, kind of in that area. And as, as a matter of fact, we had during one of our investigations, we were in one of the houses, and you have to understand this particular house is an absolute safety hazard in and of itself. But as we were investigating, there was an earthquake, and I actually thought the place was coming down on top of us at the time. Um, and so you, you can add that into the mix of potential additional energy. You know, mm-hmm. when when you're talking about energy that's coming from a fault line, you can't even put that into words. I mean, the amount of energy yeah. that, that a fault can actually put out it is staggering. You know, it's it's right. it's it's unlike anything that you can even imagine. And so that was kind of put on top of it too. And so you're, you're right. It was like the perfect storm. It was just one of these places that it is so unique and as crazy as a lot of the stories sound, I've personally experienced many of them. So yeah, it's, it, it's been, um, it's been a pretty wild ride. I've been going down there for almost six years now. So do you think, um, because, you know, it sounds like it's got a little bit of everything. It's got the UFO stuff. It's got the ghost stuff. It's got the cryptid stuff. Do you think Mm -hmm. that these are all interrelated in some way that we just haven't put together yet? Um, I feel like it it seems like every time that I've had an abundance of reports of UFO or alien activity, it also comes hand in hand with an abundance of reports of Bigfoot. Um, again, being up in the Northwest, I'm sure you're very familiar with a lot of this because, you know, there's been movies made about alien activity <laughs> yeah. and that nature. Yeah, we have both. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you're talking about aliens going hand in hand with Bigfoot. And you know what? Both always seem to tie into somehow Native American culture. Um, and so they seem like they're polar opposites. You, you think about this advanced technology of these aliens out there somewhere, and then you think about, you know, in some instances, kind of the more, I guess, primitive or earthly um, beliefs and, and functionality of the cultures of Native Americans, but then they tie themselves so closely together, uh, that is staggering. And then you're talking about this mythical creature that's out there in the woods or you know, whatever it might be, um, it does seem like they all sort of tie themselves together. And then anytime you're talking about such bloodshed and tragedy and and just, you know, mistreatment of people, just humans, I think, create their own cesspool of negativity in many ways. And, yes. and I think that that amount of negativity certainly can kind of manifest itself in these sometimes negative ways, uh, which could lead to that, you know, paranormal activity, demons, and and things of that nature. And we haven't even really discussed it much, but something that was very common with Native Americans way back was a a type of voodoo and good and bad medicine. Um, You know, you're talking about some very powerful spiritual stuff there, and there was all of that tied in. As a matter of fact, in one of our investigations, I just happened to come across a, an actual voodoo doll. And, of course, yeah. 
not even stopping to think, I'm, I find myself holding said voodoo doll, and then I look at my buddy and I said, I probably shouldn't be touching this, should I? Probably not, no. <laughs> right. Well, that was after the fact. And so, um, so anyway, that was just yet another thing that was brought in. And so we had to, we had to really take every angle and, and research as best we can and try to come up with some sort of understanding as to what's happening, why and how. And, and it was, it was very mind boggling. It was a difficult thing to do for sure. Yeah. Chad wants to know if, um, instead of ETs, could they possibly be related to like the Fae or earth spirits or things like that? <laughs> uh, again, I, I'm, I'm going to start sounding like a broken record here. It's funny you mentioned that as a matter <laughs> of fact, uh, Little people are very commonly referred to down there. Um, they're very aggressive, and they're closely tied in with the stories you'll hear of leprechauns and little people, things of that nature, and the from the European aspect. And I found it, it's odd. My last name's Callahan, so I've got a lot of Irish in me, and um, a lot of the Irish fable and, and fairy tales and things like that that I had heard growing up being very closely um, well, I, I've always just had this great interest in the Irish history and, and, and things of that nature. Um, but a lot of it is so similar to what the Cherokee would teach and talk about. And so sure enough, we did. We come across basically what would be the equivalent of your North American leprechaun. Um, and they're nasty little things. Uh, they are. I've heard that. Yeah. The, well, and a lot of people will say that they're demonic in nature and um but but you do you, you get these stories about people being physically assaulted um and and these things being very menacing they they'll cause accidents and, and things of that nature that really can't be explained uh very easily and so we started experiencing all these things and um and it really gave a lot of validity to some of the stories we were being told so, yeah, I mean, like I said, as you bring everything up, I, I feel almost silly saying, yep, there was that, and then, yep, there was that. But that's how I felt. I felt like they were literally just reading word for word from a book of the paranormal saying, that's oh, we've great. Got Yeah, that's got crazy. That. Yeah, it really wow. was. Well, so is your book available on Kindle? I will be, yes. As uh, The uh, official release date is this coming Monday, actually. August okay. 8th. Um, but my understanding is, is a lot of people already have them. Um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, all the different major outlets will have it. Um, and then, of course, uh, my first book, that's a little bit, that's not as quite an expansive tale, so to speak. That was just a, a case that we worked in, in a private residence several years ago. Um, that's also available. It's The House Where Evil Lurks. I think we've actually talked about that one a couple mm -hmm. years ago. Um but yeah, the agony that remains, it's it's going to be widely available. You can order it now. And yes, I do believe you can get it. I think as of Monday, you can get it on Kindle. Okay. So um, the agony that remains, and what was the name of the other one? Uh, the House Where Evil Lurks. That was my The House one. Where Evil Lurks. And uh, anything else you'd like to shamelessly self-promote here before we, we let you go? You know, uh, for the most part, a lot of people ask me how to get in touch with me. The best yeah. thing, I, I've got my author page on Facebook. I don't have a 
functioning website as of yet, but it's facebook.com slash Callahan author. That's C-A-L-L-A-H-A-N. Um, and so you can always get me there. I try to monitor it pretty closely. Uh, we, I chat with a lot of people. Um, this weekend, I'll, I've got an appearance at the Kansas City Paranormal uh, Conference that's coming up. So if any of the listeners are in the Kansas City area, uh, I'm speaking on Saturday and Sunday. So I don't do a lot of conferences, but being that it's a hometown thing, I've I've got a lot of the hometown pride. So I thought it'd be a fun time. And uh, so we've got that going on this weekend. And then, like I said, keep your eye out um, uh, on uh, both Discovery and Travel Channels this fall. There's going to be some new, very cool stuff coming you guys' way. And um, at that point, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm pretty easy to find on Facebook. That's that's the best way to really get in touch with me. Great. Well, fascinating story, and I'll be first in line for your new book. Excellent. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, you know, when you got another when you got another book, you get back in touch. And uh, I love so your theory of the ley lines. I hope so too. Well, I, I thank you guys for your time, and, and definitely thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Brandon. All right, have a good night. All right, uh, you too. Bye. Uh, All right, there he goes, guys. Brandon Callahan. Um, Check out his book. It sounds really, really interesting to me, doesn't it? To you guys? Yeah, I, I definitely. Chuck's talking, but I think he's muted. Chuck, are you just mouthing things? Or are you actually talking? Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> he's trying to talk, but he's mess. No, he's messing with me. Are you messing with me? Not if you're messing. No, he's not messing. Oh, he's really not messing with you. He can't talk. Oh, well, I don't know what to tell you, Chuck. I can hear Got background it. noise. Oh, there no, you my are. Mu- no, my mouse like locked up and I couldn't, you know, because I was muted because the dogs were here and you were talking. So and then I went to do it and it's like the thing wouldn't move. So I got it, though. We're OK. Oh, you were still talking. It was OK. It yes. was terrifying. That, that dude was awesome. <laughs> that was very, that was very interesting. Wonderful. I mean, he I got to see his well-spoken and his uh, yes. his uh, his theory with the ley lines and stuff what a yes. great approach to investigating instead of sitting around and waiting for people to call i want to see that i want to see that link thing with the ley lines i want to start checking in my area because i mean that's that's why i wanted to find out like all the normal stuff that you do we talk about hauntings and limestone and stuff and i knew limestone was big out in that area so i'm like it's got to there has to be all this see so all of them together it's just like fuel for the fire man it's just that's really cool so yeah i think it's i i mean Anything you'd ask, he'd be like, funny you should ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she just said, were, any, were there any creepy clowns down there while you were there? Probably but creepy funny. clowns. There are probably creepy clowns. <laughs> probably weird Al Yankovic hangs out there. Yeah, really. You know, funny you should ask that. <laughs> <laughs> He's in concert tonight. I know. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Oh, well. Okay, so Cheryl, I'm looking in the yeah. chat room, and I see that... Uh, there's Brandon's picture, and then there's a picture of a gentleman with an owl. Yes, Ooh. there is. That would be our guest next week. And the owl or the gentleman? The, the yeah. actual gentleman. I don't know okay. if the owl is going to make a it's, guest it's, appearance, it's a... but I think it's just the gentleman in the picture. 
Um, it's, it's, it's Ken Gerhard, and I hope I'm pronouncing his last name. Do you guys know how to pronounce his last name? Am I saying that's, it right? I think that's, I think that's right. Gerhard, we'll have to find that out. Ken Gerhard, he is a cryptozoologist, and he has a new book out, relatively new. It's called the, he, it's called A Menage, Menagerie of Mysterious Beasts. Thanks for correcting that. Yeah. And he was a he, yeah wrong one. He was a he was a lot of fun the last time he was on. Although he did lay, I did yeah. lay awake at night with my eyes wide open. So yeah. we have a little taste of the cryptids tonight, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we're going to have some more, and that's exciting. Full blown, it is exciting. Week. I love it. I love oh. it. It's going to be interesting. No. So do you suppose? So do you suppose the owl is what, related to the cryptids somehow? I don't think so, but you know, I don't. Maybe he it's also just appears to be wearing a uniform. <laughs> well, we'll ask. Maybe he was uh, volunteering you know, Chuck, at the zoo. I don't know. I don't know. You know, Chuck, I've got to tell you. I think you need to stop making fun of Cheryl and I when we sound like Muppets. We're women. Sometimes we sound like Muppets. It happens. See, it's adorable. It happens. Making fun of you. It's cute have, you, you have you noticed that Chuck <laughs> makes fun of us every week because one of us sounds like a Muppet at least once I know. Or twice I don't know why show. they keep thinking I'm making fun of them, people. I just think it's adorable, so I just mimic all it. Right, That's exactly. all it is. <laughs> you just wish you wish you could be this yeah, adorable. Yeah, it's good. Hello, this is Fernando We hit the dog with Chuck G. <laughs> that no, shows... you need to work on your Muppet voice. Yes, uh, you do. It's uh, just not authentic. I'm I could sorry. do Kermit the Frog, right? Kermit the Frog here. See? Oh, hey, that's yeah. actually pretty good. Uh, really good, can actually. You, can you do the Aflac duck? Aflac. There you go. That's kind of. That's not bad. That's not bad. Kind of. I can do Popeye. Oh, shut up, See, you can do Popeye. You can do all sorts of stuff. I'm talented. Multi talented. You are. Yeah, you're probably too talented for this radio show. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Too much talent. So, uh, Cheryl. Yeah, Ken. Ken is going to be next week. That's August 11th. Okay. So, so join us August 11th. Yeah, he's really cool. He's fun. And then the week after August 18th, we will be talking to Brennan Store. He is the author of a book called A Strange Little Place: The Hauntings and Unexplained Events of One Small Town. Ooh. And then rounding out August, August 25th, we have Jamie Davis Whitmer. And we're going to be talking to her about a pretty interesting topic, and that is America's Most Haunted Hotels. And she wrote a book about it. Nice. And I'm really interested in this mm-hmm. subject um, because I like Give to you places stay to stay. At ha- yeah, at haunted hotels. So I'm really looking forward to that. Haunted hotels. Yes. Um, and then you have released a new issue of the magazine yeah that we have our most recent issue is at paranormalunderground.net uh, or madcloud.com and um it's full of all sorts of good stuff and uh, we have if you haven't ever heard of it <laughs> uh well there may be a new listener out there we uh, have haunted sites we talk about haunted sites in the magazine we talk about ufo mysteries we talk about haunted history we talk about Muppets? Uh, we talk about metaphysical stuff. Unfortunately, we don't cover Muppets, but hey, right. you never know. Never say never. All we right. cover all sorts of things. We cover dream interpretation. Mm, Just, I mean, that. there's a whole lot of topics. I can't go through them all right now, but I think you'll find them very interesting. 
I think it would be fine if you wanted to go through every one right now. <laughs> We're trying to fill time. We're trying to fill time, aren't we? We do. We do. Cover, no. We do cover the psychic side. We cover pretty much every little. Angle I was just you teasing have. you. We yeah. sometimes do cryptozoology. Not every issue, but sometimes we do that. We also do crystals and herbology sometimes. We have cool do, covers. We have cool uh, covers. Oh, nice. yeah. Coming up, we're going to have a feature. on. We usually do an investigator spotlight. Uh, I have and, never been on the cover of the magazine. No, but Chuck has. I ha- Oh, that's right, with the team. <laughs> Chuck, you were on the cover. You know, I think I think Karen and I ought to be on the cover as the radio show hosts. Do you see my hurt face? It's not I out of the qu- it's not out of the question. It could happen. You know, do I, you see I, my hurt my hurt face? I could make that, that happen. I think you should make that happen. I have some Karen influence. It look like oh my god, let's make that happen. Chuck has been on the cover, but <laughs> not what was me? in the dark investigation. Remember? Long I don't though. care. Here's the thing. Oh, I'm really good. just here as a space filler. <laughs> You know, I've been with the I've been with the show for so long. Nobody knows what to do anymore. So they just, you know, oh God, that's right. You know, like the the the, the guy that's worked for the place for a thousand years, and so he sits in the office upstairs, and he doesn't really do anything but shuffle papers and stuff. I think I might be that guy at Paranormal. <laughs> no, no, you're not that guy. You're not that guy. That's how much help I am, though. (laughs) (laughs) Also, uh, just just kind of a little. uh, I'm not going to give a lot of specifics, but we're we're going to be doing some things with the format of the show starting in September. Yep, or fire me. We we're looking. We're getting rid of Chuck because no, come on. No, Chuck is still going to be with us um, for now. And uh, <laughs> you Thanks. better behave, Chuck. Wow, did you hear that, people? <laughs> oh, thanks. Okay, continue. Uh, but, but anyway, one of the things that we really want to do is we really want to start. Um, well, I just think that starting in September, we should call it the year of the listener. We want to start really involving our listeners in the show. Look, we've done this show for 303 or so now. So and, um, you know, we, we want to start involving our listeners and readers and um, just bring you some new segments and kind of freshen things up. We're still going to have the same fabulous guests that we yes. have because the guest interviews are kind of the heart and soul of the show. But uh, we would like you, our listeners, to to maybe Join hang out with us every once in a while, too. So we have lots of things we're talking about doing that might involve you, the listeners. Sweet. That's right. September's my when my birthday's in September, so this is cool. It's like a whole new like thing. I'll be older. Oh god, well never mind about that part. But <laughs> you know, age is just a number, Chucky e. G. That's right. Yeah. That's what they say. That's right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's right. Young at heart. All right. All right. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes he's young at heart. And sometimes he says, I'm old, I'm setting my ways. It <laughs> just depends too. on just depends on you see it just depends on when you catch him and and yeah. what you're accusing him of really. <laughs> uh yeah, probably that's true too. There's probably a lot of it. All well, right. She, so. she does really well. That's really kind of mm, It's funny, huh? So thanks to our guest Brandon Callahan and thanks yes, to our, awesome. our listeners and um you know to you guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. We will be back next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, other times in the flyover states. Thank Thank you. you for listening, and have a good week. Good night. Good night. Good night.
If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.